0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning once again, and Lord, we ask that this would not be just another Sunday morning, but Lord, it would be one that you would have the freedom through your Holy Spirit to do business in each heart and life that is here, that decisions would be made this morning that would change the way we live. Lord, we ask for your grace that our lives may be obedient to your word and that you would be glorified Through our obedience, we ask, Lord, that we would truly worship you this morning in a way that will affect the way we live through this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for the next song. Turn that thing on. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to be moving through the scriptures some today. Uh, If you follow in the bulletin... The title of the message is The Path to Blessing, and uh, I would think that most of us in here today would say that I could use some more of God's blessings in my life. I I could uh, uh, certainly enjoy, uh, uh, would enjoy more of God's work. Uh, In my life, my life would be better if God had more control of my life. Would you agree with me on that this morning? Say amen. And uh, next, uh, this Thursday night, actually, we have our summer revival, and uh, those that have heard Brother Davison preach are excited that he is coming. Uh, If you haven't heard Brother Davison preach, if you've not been around him at all, uh, You'll find out what we're excited about. Uh, I mean, he is just a blessing to be around and honestly if if we we do not compare preachers with preachers, uh, I will just put it this way uh, if If I could pick any preacher that I would want to hear preach, uh, it would be Brother Davison and Brother Clayton, of course, Brother Thompson's with the Lord. can't listen to him. Uh, other than by tape anymore, but uh, the simple truth of the matter is he is one of the great preachers that is alive today, and uh, it is a great privilege to have him come and I want you to be in prayer for the other pastors that will be coming in as he 's going to teach on preaching, and uh, that is for pastors and men who are training in the ministry uh, you'll you 'll learn more and spending a day and a half with brother sam than you can read in anybody's book i promise you that and, and so i uh, would encourage you to keep that in prayer and just uh, be careful going through the entryway we we tried real hard but uh, there's still a little dust on the wall and few things there so don't brush up against the walls as you're going out um, and uh, just be patient with the street fair uh, the street is blocked off, but if you will go down this way, almost to the end of the block, there's a little tiny alley right before the storefronts. You can turn right into that alley. It'll take you through to 36th Street, and then just follow the normal flow of traffic. It is uh, be, go very slow there. There's always people and cars coming into it. It's it's very. Uh, it's not a good place to drive, but it'll get you off the street without having to turn around in the street and drive off with it. It's very dangerous. And uh, so uh, all of the announcements out of the way. Let's see if we can refocus upon the Word of God. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6 here gives us what God's blessing is, what the end that He has for us in mind. And let's just start in verse seven, and verse four, I'm sorry, and pick up a little context. This is Jesus speaking. John to the seven churches which are in Asia I'm sorry, John is speaking here. He's giving us Jesus' words. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. grace be unto you and peace. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is God's intention. To make you and I kings and priests. That would be an incredible thing, would it not? To be a priest to serve the living God, to be A king, of course, subordinate to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but to do his bidding, to be one of his officers, as we might say. Uh, If you're looking for some other kind of blessing, uh, I want to challenge you, your blesser needs to be worked on. Uh, Those aren't the kind of blessings that God wants to give us. I mean, constantly we, we have physical needs and And I am praying that during the revival meeting, God will meet spiritual needs. Amen. But God wants us to be more than just an average Joe. He wants to do something very special in our lives. And it says that he has made us kings and priests. Don't stoop to be the president. Don't stoop to be the richest man in the world. Don't give up those things that God has for you for some flittering, passing fancy of your mind or thought process. Accept the blessings that God has as the ultimate goal in your life. But as with all of God's blessings, my friend... He has something attached to them. You see, often God cannot bless us and use us the way He wants to because of us. The biggest impediment, the biggest problem that God has to deal with, I I love that illustration Brother Franz used in, in Sunday school. Don't praise the instrument. Praise the guy that knew what to do with it. But God has to overcome us first. And he is more than capable. But God will not use an unwilling instrument. Doesn't it always seem like the bad guy wins doesn't it just feel that way? I mean, it always feels like the, the, the guy that's doing it the wrong way, the guy that's cheating and kind of bending the rules, it always seems like that person gets away with it. And, and they get ahead. Well, let me tell you something. We are talking about the supreme judge of the world. And he says, John says that he has made us kings and priests unto our God. Revelation 5.10 says, And thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I can't wait. I'm going to give tickets to every person that cuts in front and does one of those zigzags down the Grand Central, amen? Though I don't know if we'll have cars and all of those things, but you just want to think about stuff like that sometimes. You know why? Because you're selfish and you're worldly-centered. Isn't that so true? we got to get past that. we got to understand that God has more for us then we can understand. But, let me explain to you that you cannot make yourself a priest. This is where it starts. You cannot put yourself in a position where God can use you. This is often one of the things that sends people away from our church, is they'll come and they'll say, Pastor, I, you know, I have this talent and this ability, and everywhere I've been, I've done this. And I usually go, well, oh, that's, that's very nice. But I'm already marking it down. I have no intention of using you there. Because you will be depending upon your talent and not the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, you're not going to be able to help us. Because what is accomplished here must be done through the empowering of the Holy Spirit of God, or it is in vain. I I get emails all the time. I, I am a musician studying at such and such a college and very proficient, and I have done concerts, and I'd be willing to come and play the piano at your church. I'll tell you what, I want somebody to play the piano during the song service that's got a heart for God much more than somebody who is an accomplished musician. Because what we're doing here is trying to worship God, amen? Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, and this explains a little bit about this. And we don't have time to delve into all of it. What we're going to be doing is just summarizing many passages of Scripture this morning. The things that are in our Old Testament are there for examples to help us to understand something here. The Bible says that He has made us kings and priests. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And we come down here to verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 5. And no man taketh this honor, the honor of the priesthood, unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. The picture here that God has given us to understand this thing is what we would call the Old Testament tabernacle. Uh, It was later transferred to the temple that Uh, was built in Solomon's day and even down to the temple that was in existence when Jesus walked this earth. The priest did the service in the temple. Now, if you've been here for Sunday school, how many of you know who Uriah was and what he did? He was the king that decided that he should offer incense in the temple you know whose job that was it belonged to the priest and the priest alone and the priest withstood him and said king this will not be to your honor and the bible says even as he stood there the leprosy sprang out in his forehead And the priest cried, unclean, get out of this clean place. And it says he hasted also because he knew that he was smitten of the Lord. And for the next 16 years of his life, he lived outside the city and was no different than the poorest of the poor. His food had to be brought to him. He could not have communication if he got near any person The Bible says he was to put his hand over his upper lip here and cry, unclean, unclean, so that no one would come close to him. And he died of that horrid disease. You don't die of leprosy in a week or a month. It kills you just a little bit of a time over a period of years. See, one of the great problems we have today is a bunch of people running around claiming to be priests that have not been made priests by God. I'll tell you, I get fearful and angry sometimes. I'll get some kind of notice in the mail or email or something, and it'll say, The Dr. Reverend So and so has written a new book to help you understand the Bible. You know what? If he's not saved, I don't want him to help me understand the Bible. Uh, If he's not smart enough to know how to baptize somebody, I don't want him to help me understand. Baptism is one of the simplest things in the Scripture. You take them and you get them wet all the way. If you can't figure that out, I don't want you teaching me the Bible, amen? Amen. And worse yet, if you can figure that out and yet not do it, then i got an even bigger problem with you because you know what's right and you refuse to obey the Bible, so don't teach me about it. Amen? Uh, we, we've got to get something straight here. If we're going to understand God's Word, we've got to read for what it says. You cannot make yourself a priest. And by the way, that is the first step. Not the tenth or eleventh. That is not the ultimate. This is the first step. You've got to be a priest first. You can't consecrate someone to be a priest who isn't a priest already. You've got to be the priest first. In the Old Testament, you had to be a physical descendant of Aaron. If you could not prove that, there was no hope for you to be a priest. In the New Testament, you've got to be born into the family of God. By the way, I love to ask this question. When you were born, who did all the work? Mama did. Right? You didn't help her. As much as you want to think that, you were much more of a problem that day than a help. But Mama did the work and you were born. When you get born into God's family, who does all the work? God does. Don't you try to help Him. He doesn't want your help. He'll do it fine all by himself. You see, that's how you can know you're saved. Not because you feel so, but because God says so. You get born into this world because it happens to you. Years ago, my wife found this little book in the library and brought it home, and it was about a little baby, and the, the baby said, I want to be born now, I want to be born now. And, and uh, they said, no, no, you gotta be wait, you got to wait, and finally it came to the time. Okay, and the baby says, no, I like it in here. And, and finally, Dad gave Mama a kiss, and he says, hmm, I like that. I'm coming right now. And uh, it's just a cute little story, but that's not the way it works. And yet, you can turn on the television and you can have some preacher tell you that you get saved because of you. No, you get saved because of Jesus. Now, before the pendulum swings too far the other direction, we're not Calvinist here. We don't believe God programmed you to get saved. We believe there's a choice that every human being must make. But when you make that choice... God does the work. And when he gives you power to be born into his family, guess what? He made you a priest and a king. You just don't look like it yet. It's wonderful watching little Peter grow. He's he's finally gotten out of the alien phase. They look like, I I call it, little beings from inner space. Because that's where they came from, amen? Uh, I don't believe in little beings from outer space, but I believe in little beings from inner space. And, And when they're first born, I mean, they just look so different. And then they start growing and getting a little fatter and all those wonderful things. And, you know, it takes a while to grow, doesn't it? In fact, a priest wasn't allowed to serve until he was 20 years old. That was the Levites. The high priest wasn't allowed to serve until the death of the former priest. And that could be at a very advanced age even. We don't know. We don't have all those records. But we look here in Hebrews 4. It says, And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called, as was Aaron, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. God made Jesus a priest. The high priest. By the way, there's only one high priest. There only ever has been and will be one high priest if you read the rest of chapter 5, it gets into a strange and mysterious character in the Bible called Melchizedek. And uh, there's an awful lot of conjecture about Melchizedek, but the thing that God is trying to illustrate here is simply this. The priesthood that Jesus Christ served in was not the priesthood of the Old Testament law. It was a priesthood that preceded that and proceeded that. It was before and after. Because Jesus' priesthood is an eternal priesthood. So if you want the blessings that God has to offer, number one, we've come a long way to say, you got to get saved first. You must be born into God's family. You must have the proper pedigree. If you cannot prove your heritage goes back to Jesus Christ, then you cannot be a priest to the God of the Bible. You say, how can I prove that? Well, it's a spiritual truth. I sometimes wish we had a little... Needle, we could stick in and take a blood sample and put it on a plate. Ah, tested positive for Christianity. Uh, But it doesn't work that way. It's a spiritual truth. And the only way that I can know that you are saved is you have to tell me. Now, how do you tell me? Number one, you use your mouth. Amen. Uh, Number two, you use your life. You know, how many of you have thought you could hide something from someone else? Has anybody ever tried that? If you're married, it's hard to hide things from your wife unless you don't talk to each other. Now, I know there's some marriages like that, but I didn't, I didn't marry my wife so I could be friends with everybody else. When you have a close relationship, you can't hide things. Do you know when you come to church every week, you can't hide things? You think people don't know. But they know. Every once in a while, I think, yeah, I'm doing pretty good today. Pastor, you look tired. Yeah, well, you can't hide things. You see, your salvation is a testimony of your mouth. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The way you live is a reflection of what's going on in your heart. And if you're going to be a real Christian... Your life needs to back up your words. Amen? And the way we get saved is simply trusting in Jesus. Somebody says, but I can't live the Christian life. It's too hard. Welcome to the human race, my friend. That's what church is all about. This is the place where we struggle together to be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is all about, is it puts you on the pathway. When you were unsaved and you sinned, what did you do? You felt bad about it. That was the Holy Spirit of God convicting you of your sin. But what did you do? Well, you tried to do good things to pay for your bad things. Isn't that what people do? They put Al Capone on the witness stand. He said, but look at all the hungry people in Chicago I fed. He said, we're not putting you on trial for that. We're putting you on trial because of the people you murdered. And the taxes you didn't pay. And the people you cheated and swindled and hurt. But I've done a lot of good. I don't care how much good you've done. You see, God does the saving. He does the calling. Now, please don't raise your hands on this. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but how many of you have ever gotten used to your Christianity? Or maybe even a little bored with your Christianity. I know people all the time that are looking for something a little bigger and a little more exciting than the local church. It's a tragic thing when we take what God has given us and discard it for something that we think is better. I mean, when's the last time that your thought processes were actually good enough? Does anybody here like word problems? Mathematical word problems? I saw a cartoon that said, Hell's Library. Word problems one. Word problems 455. Uh, I'm not quite sure I agree with that. But the simple truth of the matter is, Word problems make you think, do they not? Do you remember the first time you got one? I said, this doesn't make any sense. And the teacher said, all the answers are in the problem. He said, no, they're not. And then they begin to show you how to take information out of the problem and plug it into an equation that you already knew. And all of a sudden, the answer just magically appears. No. You understand now something you didn't understand before. You learned something. You know what? God's got to teach us some things. We do not know what we ought to like or what we ought to want. We've got to learn. We've got to be trained in these things. You see... I wish we had time this morning, but let's just turn to Exodus 28 and 29. We'll just pick up a few verses here and and there. The priest had to be born into the right family. He had to have the proper pedigree. He had to have the right family lineage. If he did not, he was not allowed to serve as a priest. No ands, ifs, buts, no exceptions, no... uh, Uh, No going down to the courthouse and getting your name changed or adoptions were not allowed. You had to be physically born into the family or it didn't work. If you want God's blessings, you must be spiritually born into his family or it doesn't work. You've got to be born again, as the Bible says. What was the next step for the priest in order to serve? Well, the next step was consecration. That's Exodus chapters 28 and chapter 29. Guess what? They are long chapters. They're those chapters when you get to your daily reading, you go, oh, no, i got to read all of that today. And then it says, And you're going to take the priest and wash him in water and put upon him the garments of the priest and sprinkle blood upon his right toe. And and it goes on and 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 on. Why did God spend so much time on the consecration of the priest? Because he wanted to teach you and I something. You can't just serve God the way you are. He's got to change some things. In fact, he's got to consecrate you to his service. You know what? You're not going to get consecrated listening to a rock band sing about Jesus. It took seven days for the priest to be consecrated. The first thing he did was he took a bath. Then he was dressed in the garments of the priest, and the, the under priests that were with him had to do the same thing, and they literally lived in the courtyard of the tabernacle for the next week. What did they eat? They ate from the sacrifices that were offered for their consecration. It took seven days to consecrate them now I'm not a big one in numerology I don't believe uh, we, we do not build doctrine based on numbers but numbers are important in the Bible seven is the number of completion or perfection the priest could not serve until the eighth day The eight is the number of new beginnings. You see, we don't worship on the seventh day or the first day. Technically, we worship on the eighth day. Neat little things that just help us understand more about what's already written down. Nothing new. Just reaffirmation of what is already there. you know what, it takes time to get the world out of the Christian. I didn't hear any amens on that. We know that's true, do we not? And what is the thing that we have less of, that we need more of? It's time. But we all have the same amount, do we not? No one has less time than another person. There's only 60 seconds in a minute. 60 minutes in an hour, and you can just do all the multiplication. I'm a little tired to do that all this morning. But it takes time to separate from the world. That's why the priest had to stay in there seven days. When the priest was serving, it was interesting. He could only wear the clothing that the scripture said he could wear. He could not wear his own garments to serve as a priest. The only exception being taking the ashes out of the, of the tabernacle to a, a, a clean place to dispose of them. He would wear normal clothing, but if he was serving as a priest, he had to wear the clothing of the priest. If you're going to serve God, you have to wear his clothing. What is the clothing of the saints? Read through the book of Revelation, it's white linen which is the righteousness of the saints. Where do you and I get righteousness from, my friend? We have to buy it from Jesus. How do you buy righteousness? Well, it's real simple. Are you doing right by being in church this morning? Might that be a way... That you are purchasing righteousness by just simply obeying the Bible for what it says and doing right. I know that is not profound. It, it is not some really deep thought that you had to go searching through the commentaries of the great thinkers of mankind. But that's all it is. God, the greatest and deepest things of God's word are very shallow and simple. And yet they're so profound, you could think about them all your life long and still never figure them out. He had to have the anointing oil upon his head. I don't know about you, but I carry my own oil change uh, constantly. To have oil put upon me would be rather uncomfortable, I would think. I've had it done several times of the automotive type. Uh, No blessings of God entrenched to that of any kind. But the simple fact is that oil that was poured upon him would mat down his hair, it would stain the garments. It would set him apart. If you saw him, you would say, this man has the anointing oil upon him. It's there. I can see it. We go into the New Testament. Of course, the picture of oil is usually the Holy Spirit of God. Can I ask you a really tough question this morning? Can they see the anointing? Brother Franz in Sunday school, we don't, co- we don't cooperate these things. But he was talking about, can they tell you've been with Jesus? Can people see the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you what, most of us do a pretty good job of covering it up. If we're going to be priests, we've got to learn to do these things. And do you know that the priest, while he had the anointing oil on himself, he was not to rend his clothes. Leviticus 21.10 says, And he that is the high priest among his brethren upon whose head the anointing oil was poured and that is consecrated to put on the garments shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. Now, the idea of being profoundly upset. There are many expressions of that. Uh, New York City, our culture says that if you are profoundly upset, that you wave your hands with obscene gestures and say filthy, loud things toward another person. Isn't that the classical societal? uh, Well, God doesn't believe in cursing and his people their tradition their culture would say that you would just literally take your outer garment and rip it and that would show that you were as upset because what had to happen for you to replace a garment chances are that was the only one you had it had to be you had to have a new garment woven for you any of you ladies ever wove fabric No, that doesn't happen in a a couple of hours. Uh, That is a labor. The priest was not allowed, while he had the anointing oil on him, the high priest, to rend his garments. Guess what? I love the little Sunday school song. Why worry when you can pray. We get upset about a lot of stuff, don't we? The high priest was not allowed to do that. And you know, as a Christian, as a priest and a king to God, if he has the direction in your life you won't have to waste the time and effort to rend the garments because your trust and faith will be in him and not in your offense. You know, that would solve a lot of problems right there, wouldn't it? He was also not allowed to desecrate himself. If his father or mother or sister or brother were to pass away, he could not attend the funeral because it would render him unclean. You see, let's just go to a very familiar passage, Romans chapter 12. You know this verse, but would you look at it in the context of the consecration of a priest to God? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your what? Say it out loud. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why is it reasonable? Well, if I'm a priest and I'm consecrated to serve the Lord, to operate as a priest, guess what? I'm supposed to be dressed in the garments of the priest. I'm supposed to have the anointing oil upon me. I am supposed to be separated from the world, both in time and distance and inside the tabernacle. I am not allowed to give way to profound emotion because I'm supposed to be more concerned about God than I am with mankind. You see, if I'm going to be a priest, I can't be a part of everything that's just going on around me. I can't even be thinking about what's going on around me i got to be thinking about God. We started with how many of you want more blessings and more God's grace active in your life. Well, here's how you get it. First of all, you must be a priest. You must be born into God's family. You must be consecrated. And then the last one is the toughest one. You must fulfill the daily duties of the priest. Now, this refers to many passages of Scripture, so I'm not going to give an actual reference here, but we're just going to go through a couple of things. The first job of the priest in the morning was to go to the brazen altar and rake apart the ashes that were on there from the sacrifice that had been burning through the night and he was to rekindle a fire from the coals that were already on there. He was not allowed to start a new fire. The Jewish historians tell us that the fire that was lighted in the brazen altar at the foot of Mount Sinai burned until Nebuchadnezzar's troops sacked the city in Jerusalem. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. They say the fire that was kindled by Shethiel and and, in Zerubbabel's time and the temple that was rebuilt burned until the armies of Rome came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. That kind of continuity is just out of our mind and out of our thinking. The brazen altar is not a picture of Jesus' sacrifice because that was done every day it's a picture of the death of self my death to my ideals and my wishes it is that living sacrifice that is pictured by the morning and evening that was the first duty of the priest was the morning sacrifice He would then order the candlestick, trim the wicks so that the light would burn brightly, make sure that the reservoir was full of oil so that the lamp would not go out during the day or the night. There was no light in the tabernacle or in the temple that was not produced by the candlestick. How many of you gotten old enough that things do not appear as clearly as they once did? I mean, I've always, uh, since I was probably 10 or 12 years old, have worn corrective lenses, but now i got to add the readers to the corrective lenses. No, I am not old enough for bifocals, nor am I going to get them. But the simple truth of the matter is, Light enables you to see. Where is light? It's in the Word. Why do we have to trim the lights, the wicks of the candlestick? It's not because of the light. It's because of us. Amen? He was to set in order the showbread. Jesus is the bread of life. You must partake of the Savior and of His food if you're going to have strength to serve as a priest of the living God. Then you had the golden altar of incense upon which the coals from the brazen altar were used to offer the incense unto God, which pictures our prayers. Oh, it is the death of self and the surrender of my wishes Both indignation and praise, it's the surrender of everything that produces the coals, the power of the prayer. Those were the duties of the priest. A few moments ago I asked how many of you have gotten bored with your Christianity from time to time or gotten used to it, gotten complacent just doing the same things over and over again how would you like to be a priest? This was your job. The only other thing the priest did was to help other people with their sacrifices. And if you'd like an application to that, you see, when a person gets saved, they become a priest. Right? So, Helping other people with their sacrifices would basically be soul winning. It's telling other people about Jesus so that they can offer their own sacrifices. Amen? Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and we'll be done. preached on this passage many, many times over the years, but I'll tell you what, we still need to be reminded of it. We still need to go back and think about these things. Verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This is Paul speaking. He says, I have not arrived in my Christianity. I am not finished becoming a better Christian than I was yesterday. Listen, I'm reaching out to apprehend that for which I'm already apprehended of. He says, I know that Jesus has got a hold of me. But I know that there's more in this service of God than what I have now. And so I'm reaching out. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. How many of you have things that happened yesterday that you'd just like to forget? Uh, I think most of us do. Well, do it. It's okay. If you've sinned, where do we go with our sin? If we confess our sins, and I'm so glad that's not to me or to the church, I'm glad it's to the Savior. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because He already paid for them on the cross, my friend, He paid for every sin that you've ever sinned long before you were born. All you have to do is surrender to Him. Get saved. Your sins are taken care of. You say, but I sin too much. Again, welcome to the human race. We all do. Let's go to the Savior who has made us priests. And let's be consecrated to serve Him. And let's find those blessings in the daily duties of the priest. I'll tell you, there's such a blessing when you finally find the death of self. Now, I'm going to warn you, it's worse than an old horror movie. It doesn't last long. That's why you got to do it every day. How many of you've enjoyed the blessing of trimming the wicks where God just opens a passage of his word and you say there's the answer I needed written down in the scripture for that problem I'm facing. Let me tell you, you want joy? You want blessings? That's where they are, my friend. How many of you looking for satisfaction and purpose in this life? Well, how about sitting down to the table of showbread and partaking of him who is the bread of life? That'll change your prayers. And by the way, that is the chief duty and job of the Christian is to pray. That's as close as you get to God in the tabernacle without being the high priest. By the way, there's only one high priest, that's Jesus. Oh, that we could be satisfied with taking our needs to Him in prayer and rejoicing in the goodness of God rather than trying to figure out how we're going to manipulate Him to make Him do what we want. You know, that's the difference between false religion and true religion. See, there is a pathway to blessing. God wants every living human being to be saved. But yet it was Jesus that said, broad is the way and wide is the gate which leadeth unto destruction. Many be go in there. Are you saved? Well, how about being consecrated? Pastor, that, might, that means I gotta give up some things. Yeah. What a blessing. When you finally let go of those things that are keeping you from a relationship with God. What a blessing. Amen. But people look at me funny. Well, they ought to if Jesus lives inside. Amen. Listen, but you don't understand. I like getting upset about things. No, you don't. It's just a bad habit that needs to be gotten rid of. By the way, when was the last time you were upset about something fixed anything? Do you think Congress is going to straighten out because you're upset about it? Last time I checked, they had an approval rating of 18%. That's absurd. But they haven't become less dysfunctional. Give up your ability to be upset about things and your quote unquote righteous indignation, which it wasn't probably so righteous in the first place. And let's get wrapped up in God. And serving Him. And you know what? The testimony and God's work will go forward not because of us, but because we're out of the way so God can do His work. Are we still together? Find God's blessing and satisfaction. In the daily duties of the priest, and you will have a life full of God's blessings. And all God's people said, "Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we ask that you would help us to live this sermon, Lord." There's not a one of us in this room that doesn't need to do these things more. We ask the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in hearts and lives. And Lord, if there be one here today that's not sure about salvation, that today would be the day that they'd be able to settle that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, Brother Franz. Come lead us in the hymn of invitation. 301, only trust Him.